Wait, here we go. So today's daf is daf Yud Gimel, page thirteen in the Halakha Masechus Kedushin, and we are up to Koshu Ba. Koshu Ba, right? So we are looking five lines from the top of the Amud, the first words on the line, five lines from the top of Yud Gimel Amud Aleph. Koshu Ba. Now let's remind ourselves quickly what we're handling with. So here we're dealing with a scenario. Where a man deposits money by a woman, she's got the cash, she's had it for a while, and then he says, oh yeah, by the way, the money that I deposited by you, let's make that the marriage money, let's make that the most kedushin. And she's quiet. So generally we say, silence is like admission, you're agreeing, and she's got no problem with it. The issue over here is that... The per, perhaps her silence is not coming from her agreement in marriage, but maybe it's because she has no need to uh, accept the offer. Stop this! Meshugan is driving her crazy, right? So what we learned, what, what we learned before is, and what we're coming off of, and what we're coming to question. We just brought a raya from a brisa that if a man deposits money by a woman, leaves it by her, and then says, "I'm turning that money into kedushin," and she's silent. Shtika in such a scenario is not acceptance of marriage. In order for her to be considered married, she mamish has to say, yeah, yeah, mamish in on this whole situation. If she doesn't say, I'm all in, it's not a marriage. So here we go. That's what the Gemara is picking up. I'm going to challenge that assumption. Koshuba, five lives to the top, Chavar. Let's go. Koshuba, Pumnahara. They asked the question, the town of Pumnahara, which I love. I love these expressions. It's kind of like the whole town is cucking over this. Yeah. The, the, the town of Pumnahara <coughs> is up in arms. They're, they're handling together and learning. Yeah. And they were saying that Ravuna Bredavishu asked the following question. Can you compare the case of marriage to the case, the raya that we brought, which was uh, the, the case of a mat? Now, if you recall, the case of the mat is... When a man gives a mat to a woman, a mat made out of hadasim, get ready for sukkahs, yeah? Dalit minim. So a mat out of hadasim. And then she says, okay, whatever, it's not, it's not worth a pruta. You say, no, it's not worth a pruta. The guy says, yeah, there's money tied up inside. There's money tied up inside. You say, oh, so you see that if she says nothing afterwards, it's not a valid. It's not valid, not a valid. So that's our riot. There's no proof between the two cases of the mat to the case of Stam giving money, depositing. Why? Awesome, because when you buy our case of deposit, he already gave it to her as a pekodon. He gave it to her as a deposit. So now he says, oh, I have money deposited by you. I want it to be money of Kedushin. If she's quiet, you know why she's quiet? Sovra, she's thinking, if I break the coins, if I, let's say, throw them and break them, I'm going to be achroi. I'm, I'm going to be responsible over here. And therefore, the fact that, she's remains, re, that she remains silent is not a riot to anything. She's going to feel there's no reason for her to take his, uh, his statement at all seriously. Hocha, but by the case of the mat, Lamaisa, he gave her the entire mat, so she has no responsibility of watching a deposit. So if she doesn't want it for marriage, you know what she should do? Lashdinu, no, let her drop it, put it on the floor, get out of here, do bismashuga. Yeah, 
I, she's going to be mechuyah for breaking it. Why? She never accepted shmira. She never accepted to, uh, to watch it. And the fact that she's not dropping whatever he gave her is a raya that maybe she's agreeing to the Kedushin, says the Gemara. Maybe by the mat it should be Kedushin, but by a regular case it's not. Paruch Ravachoy, Ravachoy asks a challenging question. One second, you're assuming that women learn in yeshiva. Do you think that women mamish know the nafkamina, the differences between whether the mat was given her b'tayrus kedushin or whether she first received the deposit and now you're asking for kedushin later? There's a difference in her level of how well she needs to watch this thing. Women don't know this. You, you can't expect an, an average woman to be fully aware of these differences in halacha. Either case, you're ever given something to hold on to. You know what you're thinking? I'm not going to break somebody else's property. You should deal who miss free. No, if I were to drop it, I'm going to be obligated in them. And therefore, what we want to say is the connection between the two cases, Taka is an appropriate connection. And bottom line is, Rubba has a raya, Rubba has a proof from the case of the mat that if a man gives money to a woman, as a deposit, and later on says, I want that money to be marriage money, and she's quiet, you are not married. And that's his raya, from the price of the case of the mat. Beautiful. What is the Allah? Okay, again, by the case of the mat, she's quiet. What's Allah? Shalach Lehi responded, I didn't hear Kasha. You need to be concerned about it. I'm not as Tifa stuff as Gishmak. I love this. He says, listen, I, I never heard that as a psak, but if that's taka the psak that you hear, that's taka what you have, so you're mechayiv to follow that. The biggest side this over here is foundational idea and how a person's supposed to live their life. See, if you live in a town where the rav of that town, the paisik of that town, the, the, your rosh yeshiva has a specific mahalach, so that's the mahalach that you follow. I, somebody in different yeshiva is not going to have that uh, psak or that mahalach, fine. But he says, since you have that psak, that's what you should do. Since you have that question, you got to be concerned about the question. But he says, where I come from, we don't have these, the question ever came up as an important topic of conversation. And Mamela, for me, will leave it. Hayyit, so there was a woman, Havakamazavna Varshchi. Ah, Givaldik. I love that word. Yeah, there was a woman who was selling Varshchi. Now, if you look at Rashi about a third of the way down on the, uh, on the Omer, Rashi says, Bindulush. Okay? Bindulush is like ribbons. Also, who got Rechotov Varshchot Mino. And a man came and he took a ribbon from her. Amalei, she said, excuse me, da chitzpe. Where's your manners? Hava Niali, give it back to me. Amalei, he said to her, if I give it back to you, yeah, you'll agree to marry me. Yeah, he's blackmailing her over here. Shakalt ve'eshtika. So she was quiet and she took it back. All right. Now, we want to know whether she's agreeing to this marriage. Yomar Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman says, let me explain something. She is capable of saying, in Shakli, I took a ribbon. I took this. You know why? Because vididi Shakli, it was mine. Can't marry me with my thing. He says, one second. There's something called the Kenyan Gazela, Kenyan Geneva. When, a, when somebody steals something, they now own it. They mamish own it. The halacha is, if somebody marries a woman with something he stole, 
Ubechama, something he forced a sale about, Ubegneva, or with a thievery. Or he takes sale from her hand and marries her with it. Mugudasha, she is married. Okay, the guy's a lowlife. He's a scoundrel. He's a ganav. He has to pay her back. You see that a woman could be married with stolen, uh, with stolen money. So in this case as well, this guy took a ribbon from her. She says, excuse me, give it back right now or I'll bop you on the nose. And he says, well, if I give it back to you, will you marry me? And she's quiet and takes it back. So maybe she's agreeing to the marriage. Says the Gemara, no. Hasam Yeah, Where do we say it's a valid marriage? That's when the husband and the, the man and woman have previously, uh, they know each other well. They've been Meshadich with each other. They know each other. They've, uh, they, they're already engaged. And now he goes and steals something and uses it to marry her Beseder. But over here, they're not engaged good nothing. He stole something from her and she, he's trying to force her into a marriage in order to get these uh, expensive uh, ribbons back. And therefore over here, it's not going to be a kosher marriage. The difference between whether or not they're engaged to be married, in other words, they agreed to be married or not. Take the seller that I owe you. Yeah, I owe you a hundred dollars. Here it is. And then he says to her, Marry me with a hundred bucks. And was giving her the money. Yeah, and then she was agreeing to the marriage. It's up to her to decide. Whether it's going to be marriage money or whether it's going to be a repayment of the seller. But once the money is given over, it's money that was given as a repayment of whatever he owed her. And afterwards, it's not a valid, it's certainly not a valid marriage. What does it mean, my rutz my lay So what does it mean she agrees or not? Either my rutz or in, she agrees to marriage. Mamish means she says, yeah. And my rutz, what does it mean she doesn't want, it means the amr lay. She says, nope, nothing doing. This seems to assume that let's say she's quiet. She didn't say yes or no. Seems going to be it's going to be a, a valid marriage. Vinisti mikudeshes tam. So let, let the Tana just say she's mikudeshes kihasam, just like he did in the other case. And we're going to have a clear halacha. She's not married if she says no. In other words, I have I'll have a much bigger chiddush to share. The Gemara says, and since we didn't say that, Ella rather Ratsa Dutman. What does it mean she agreed? It means she says, Yes, I'll be married to you. Lai Ratsa Dishika. So what does Lai Ratsa mean? That she doesn't want to be married, it means she was quiet. The Katani Daina Mikudesh, Tana there says, if she's quiet, you're not Mikudesh, my time. Why wouldn't she be married if she's quiet? Because you're Khalimar, this woman's able to say, Yeah, 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 buddy. You owed me a sella. And tell let me tell you something. In Shakli, granted, yes, I took the money from you. Vididi Shakli. Cause it's a mine. You owed it to me. No marriage at all. The Ella, Kasha Hach, the Kitchen, because of Bahamas are So you're going to say, oh, we have a question because we learned in the Brysa if a man marries a woman with thievery, robbery, or with forced sale goods, it's a valid marriage. Why is it going to be a valid marriage? The Brysa over here says it would not be a valid marriage because you're not taking it as, uh, as, mar- as um, marriage money, you're taking it as repayment money. Rather, it's got to be This is the right There's an afkamina Whether or not there was a Shidduch made, and now that we proved That Shidduch makes a, a uh, Difference, so you see from over here That if, if somebody gives Something to a woman, and then after, and she's quiet And then afterwards we clarify what's happening What's going to be the, how are we going to know Whether she's agreeing to it or not agreeing to it It depends whether or not they were Meshadich If they had previously agreed to be married then the money that he gave her, they could say her quietness is betayras kedushin. If they did not agree to be married, we're not going to say that it is a valid kedushin.
Period. End of that sugya. Okay. Next halacha. Kinoch nafshei de Ravasi. When Ravasi passed away, Ailu Rabbonon, the Rabbonon went up, Linkutinhu, Lishmaitse, to be malakate, to gather up his Shmaitzim, his halachas. Okay? So Rashi explains an interesting thing. After Ravasi passed away, before, see, over the course of time, people forget Tyra. People forget things. So immediately after, out of covered for Ravasi, they gathered all the Tamidim together, and everybody shared what Ravasi taught them. And this way, more people would know it, there's a less chance of the Torah being lost from Klai Yisrael. There was a, there was a Rav by the name of Rabbi Yaakov. He said, Ravasi taught me, Omar Rebbe Mani, Rebbe Mani says, the same way a woman cannot be acquired by lessons of her buta, kach in karkanechs bagus of her buta. You can't acquire a woman with lessons of her buta, you can't acquire land, real estate, with less than the value of her buta. Amrule, they said to him, I, how could you quote Ravasi to say this? Ravasi is an Amaira, and Tani will live to even though a woman needs at least a prutam value, let's say I own a field and I want to sell it to you, Rabiel. And I agree to sell it to you for less than a pruta. I'm like, yeah, I don't care about it. Half a pruta, fork it over. It's a valid sale from the price. You don't need it to be a pruta for it to be valid. Amarlu, he says, It's not true. When do we say you don't need a brute on a field? That's if you use a different, a different style of acquisition. Like chalip, like exchange. Then it's not dependent on value. I'm not buying it with kesef, I'm buying it with chalip. You could acquire various things with a vessel. When you want to do chalip in exchange of one thing to another, very often people use yarmulkes of the Eden, that's do nowadays at, at chasnas. It's a very common thing to use or repent. But whenever you're using a Kenyan kesef, money, that's where Avasi says you need a pruta for a woman. In marriage, you need a pruta for the field. And then they were sitting and they were teaching over the Allah of the Rebidus and the Rebidus. Everybody is not well versed in the laws of getting and Kedushin, of divorce and marriage. Don't get involved in them. If you're not an expert, if you're not well-versed and you don't know what you're talking about, it seems other areas will be a little more lenient than you if you know more than other people. But when it comes to the laws of divorce and marriage, it's big-time stuff. Your mom is messing up people's yichas in Klal Yisrael. And therefore, stay out. If somebody does get involved, they're even worse than the generation of the Mabel as far as how you're impacting the world in a negative way. Shemar, as it says... Eloi, which is an expression of an Allah, a vow. They take bad vows, they kill, they steal, they're unfaithful, and they're pirates, they breach. And the bloods are all touching each other. Okay, referring to incest and, uh, and immoral relationships. My mashma. So how do you see from this puzzle that a person who gets involved in getting and kedushin when it ain't none of his when he's not well versed that he's worse than the Dharma Mabuk? Like Rabbi Yosef explains, 
And now we're going to segue a little bit into some fascinating Agatha to Gemaras. Get ready. Like Rabbi Yosef explains, When people have children from their friends' wives, they are just, keep the Averis coming. Uksiv, and it says, Alkain Taval Haaretz. And therefore, the land is going to be Taval, it's going to be ruined. V'umlal, and there's going to be a, uh, like, gullus movement. Kol Yoyshe, everybody who previously was settled. V'chayas Asada, V'ayso HaShemayim, V'gamdege Ayom, Yehoseifu, V'goymer. So everybody's uh, going to be displaced and moved around and be destroyed, it's going to be gathered in. The fish made out of it, they were spared. But by this pasuk where we're describing the families and, and improper people not doing divorces properly, so now we have mamzerim and so on and so forth. Even the fish of the sea were impacted. So you see that getting involved and getting in condition. We don't know your beans, and messing up the Yichas Eklaisel has a far worse impact than what the Dar Hamabul did. Ve'ema ad da'avid l'kulu, says the Gemara, but there's a whole list of terrible things that, that Yidim were doing at the time. Yeah, we said they were murdering and testifying falsely and stealing and committing adultery. All these things is worse than the Dar Hamabul. So ask the Gemara, maybe... You need to do all these things to be worse than Aramabal. How do you know just getting involved in Tiv, getting the Kedushin alone is worse? No, it means everything. It says, It's because of the Avla that the land was destroyed. Let's see, the, the, the falseness of the Bezdin, of the, uh, the false testimony. Says the Gemara, okay, so that's testimony. Still, that's not the part that's dealing with adultery, right? We're concerned right now with adultery. You get involved in getting a Kedushin, people are going to commit adultery unknowingly. Maybe that's just swearing falsely. But I know the other ones aren't uh, aren't uh, standing alone. Says Gemara Tav Bambeis Miksiv Ufartzu. No Partzuksiv because then the post says Partzu, not Ufartzu, which means it's not and. It's each one stands individually. Each one alone. Uh, if these things exist, including adultery, again, even unknowingly, can lead to issues greater of greater destruction than the Darham Mabel. Okay, now again, Ravasi passed away. So they're all sharing all these teachings that have to do with Ravasi's name. So, so they were still sitting and they were saying, is incredible, yeah? You have all the yeshiva bachram, you have all the kaili guys, everybody's sitting together. And they're all, they're all sharing Ravasi. They're all sharing various taira. And once they're sharing taira, they're getting involved in, in uh, you know, they're broadening their scope of taira. It's mamash gavalt. So, Hadu Yasi Amri. They were sitting and, and telling over the following Mishnah. After a woman gives birth, she has a mitzvah to bring a karba chatos. So a woman brings a karba chatos, umesa, and she dies. Yavi yarshin oilasa. So her children bring her karba oilah. Amr vidam ashmu. Because she didn't bring her oilah. She set aside her oilah while she was alive. She didn't set aside it as an ayla, so then they don't need to bring an ayla on her behalf, it's unnecessary. Alma, you see from here, Kasavar, that uh, we hold, Shibud Lavda Raisa. 
Okay? Shibudu means if you have a lien on somebody's property, for example, Hektish over here should have a lien on her property. She has a mitzvah to bring a carbon oil. She has a shibud. She has an obligation. She has an achrayas to bring an oil offering after giving birth. She passes away. The children do not, the heirs do not need to bring an oil. You see, shibud is not as labda raisa. Here's where we get to Ravasi. Ravasi quotes Ravichan to say, You should know, even if she didn't set aside while she was alive, they need to bring a carbon oila for her. Because Ravasi is quoting Ravichan to say, Shibuda is Dairaisa. Says Gemara, there's a machlaikas elsewhere. We're arguing about this. If somebody borrows money with a verbal agreement, the lender if the borrower passes away, cannot collect from the inheritors. Now, we're dealing, there's witnesses here. So, Ruvain lends money to Shimon with witnesses. But there's no documentation. Okay? So he can only collect money, um, we'll, we'll see from what, but he can't take from the inheritors. He also can't take payment from anybody who purchased land from the borrower. Now you'd think he has a lien on the land. So who, whenever they bought it, it was after he had a previous lien. No, you don't have documentation. You don't have, uh, you don't have a lien. So you see whether or not somebody's property, Shibuda Darais or Lav Darais, right? Is a Shibud that you have. The lender has a Shibud. There's a lien on him. If it's biblical, he could collect from the estate of the deceased. If it's not biblical, you cannot take from the deceit of the estate. So why are we having a whole other machlaikas over here about her carbon, about the sacrifice? It's the same machlaikas. So Gemara says, no, Tzricha, I need both cases. If you only would have given this specific case, I'll say, over here, when you lend by a verbal agreement, this is where Shmuel says, you cannot collect from the Yarshim, because if there's nothing written, this is not a loan that the Torah is referring to. But when a woman is obligated in a carbon that you do bring the carbon from her property because there's a biblical obligation. If it would have only given the case by the, um, by the carbon, I would say that's where Rebbechanan holds that you do bring the from a property, if it's written, in, I'm sorry, by a, a verbal loan, I would say, it's, it's, a, it's a verbal agreement, it's like a document, I'm sorry, the, 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 I'm sorry, the obligation to bring the animal as an ayla, is as if, the Torah obligation, it's as if it's written in a document, the Torah is the document, so I would say, that's where Rabbi says, you take an ayla from her estate, I where's it written in the tire? That's where. Avobahach, but by a verbal loan, I would say he agrees. He agrees to Shmuel that you cannot take from the property. And therefore, Tzricha, I got to point out there's a machlekes in both cases. Amar of Papa, Rav Papa says, Hilchasa. All right. Bottom line, halachas. Let's get into this to wrap up the sugya. This topic. If you lend with an oral agreement, a verbal agreement, you could collect from the Yarshim. You cannot collect from buyers. So, Ruvain lends money to Shimon. 
Shimon then sells his field to somebody else and dies. If it's a verbal arrangement, Ruvain cannot go to Levi, who bought the field, and say, give me that field, you bought it from Shimon. No. You collect from the estate that's currently with Shimon, but you can't collect from the buyers. Why can you collect from the estate? Because even though it's a verbal agreement, because since it's not written, there's no way for the buyer to know about it, and there's nothing, there's, there's no more, you know, what are you going to do? Look into the title? There's nothing written. There's no, so if you wanted to lend on a loan and not have a document, that's your own weakness as a lender. You should have been more careful about it, but you cannot collect from purchasers, period, end of that Gemara. Okay? We're done now, focusing on how a woman is acquired in marriage. Kesef, Shtar, Bia. Now we're at the two dots, and the Gemara is going to shift to how a marriage ends. When does a marriage end? When a woman takes her hand back in marriage. How does that happen? Two ways. A get, or the husband dies. She now has her hand back of marriage, she can marry somebody else. Let's give him back to her. Zok de Gemara. The kindness answer begat me She acquires her hand in marriage back with a divorce. Death of the husband. Bishlam again, I understand by divorce. She got her hand in marriage back. It's a break off. How do you know she gets her hand in marriage with the death of the husband? Trevor, listen closely. Maybe, and this is very logical, when somebody's spouse passes away, you're connected to them forever. If you have a widow, maybe she's still, her, her hand is given up in marriage. So you won't marry anybody else. You're a widow. Who says, who says she could hand, take her hand back? Says Gemara, what do you mean who says? Svarohu, it's logic. What's the logic? Who asarav, who sharasa? Yeah? The man is the one who asers her on somebody else. And when he's not there, she gets her hand back. He's Gavaldika Svara. You ready for this? What does the husband care? He acquired her hand. Now he's not around. So what's the big, big deal? She's not around. So he gives her a marriage. Says Gemara, what do you mean? <laughs> not so simple. What do, what do you mean? Barayas, when it comes to Arias, yeah, forbidden relationships, to Asar Luhu, the husband causes her to become forbidden, and she doesn't become allowed. Okay? Listen to this. Ruvain marries Rachel. Rachel is now Usar to Ruvain's father. If Ruvain dies, Rachel is still usher to Ruvain's father. Right? It's her father-in-law. Says the Gemara. So you see from here, you're usher to everybody. Again, we're back to our question. When a man dies, maybe she should remain forbidden to everybody. Maybe it's a continued marriage without a husband around. Uh, he's not around to give her forbidden. What, what do you mean? They're still forbidden. We, we find she can't marry his father. It's maybe the same way she can't marry his father even after he's dead. She can't marry anybody after he's dead. So Gemara says, The only reason why I know that she gets her hand back in marriage, Gardy, for this, is from Yavama. He hit this, it's incredible. 
I only know that a widow could remarry from a diuk, from an, an inference of a different halacha. When it says by Yavama that she can't marry anybody else except for the brothers, it must be, it must be that when you're not in the case of Yavama, you could marry other people. I have a doma in Labanim Asur La'ama V'yar He says, who so? Maybe we should learn out from Yibam that if there's no kids, then she's mutter to the brother and us everybody else. What if she has kids? Maybe the Asura. Maybe she becomes usher to everybody else. Maybe the luck is if she has children, a widow can never remarry. The Gemara is asking a bomb question, and therefore we're back to square one. I need a source. Man dies, husband dies. How do I know that a woman with children can marry anybody else? Who says? How, does it, how do we know a get works? Only because it says in the Torah. Save for creases. You need a document to cut them off. If it doesn't say in the Torah that you cut off with death, a widow should remain attached to her husband who's deceased forever. She should never be allowed to remarry. We need a source. Says the Gemara, you're right. Ella rather, since the Torah says, a Kohen Gadol cannot marry a widow. See, a regular Kayan can marry a widow. A Kohen Gadol cannot marry a widow. What, what does this apply? Halakayin Hadiyacharya. So you see, a re- only a Kohen Gadol cannot marry a widow. But everybody else could. That's going to be the source that a widow is allowed to marry. Says the Gemara, who says? The Doma, perhaps, the Kohen Gadol Balav. Maybe all it means is that if a Kohen Gadol marries her, it's a love transgression. But Lakuliyama, but everybody else, she's usher ba'ase. Maybe she's forbidden with a positive commandment. Okay? Says the Gemara, which positive commandment? Va'ase ma'avidite. What is it going to do? Idahanyamisabal. If the death of her husband allows her to marry somebody else, Tishri Lagamri. Let her become mutter to everybody. Idahanyamisabal. And if the death of the husband doesn't do anything for her, she's still connected to him, then she remains usher to everybody the same way when her husband was alive. Nothing changed. The says, one second, if you're going to tell me nothing changes and she remains usher to everybody, why even dealing with widows? What's a widow in halacha? She's not, a woman's never really never a widow. She's never without a husband. She always stays related to him in the marriage. But we call her a widow as if she's separated. But maybe, not necessarily, maybe what her husband's death does, ask the Gemara, is she's still connected to him. But like this, if the husband's alive and she has an extramarital affair, chi of Misa. Maybe if the husband's dead, there's no chi of Misa, but she's still married. She transgressed, but it's not a, not a severe we find a similar idea when something belongs to Hektish and then becomes possible initially when they when, uh, still belong to Hektish if you make personal use you've transgressed which is a chi of kares you're not let to work them and use their shearings but once you redeem them it's no longer you still can't make use of the shearings and works you see 
that sometimes with the change of circumstance, like a lack of, a lessening of Kedusha, from hectish to redeeming, or we'll call it from here, Kedushin marriage to the husband being dead, maybe we're just lessening the transgression, but it's still a transgression for a widow to remarry. How do you know she can remarry? It says, Gemara, Ella, rather, I know it from, it says in the Pesach, You know how I know a woman can remarry? Last week's Parsha. Last week's Parsha. A woman, a man is married to a woman. He hasn't yet done this suin. He goes out to the battlefield. What does the Kayan who oversees the battle, what does he say to all the men soldiers? Any man that has not yet had an suin with a woman, you acquired her, you didn't live together, go back home. Why? Because you might die and somebody else will take her. The Torah says, when you die, somebody else could take her. So you see, a widow's letter remarried. No, maybe who's another man? Not anybody. Maybe it's just a Yavim. Maybe we'll send you back home so that she's not put into a situation of Yibam. But maybe a regular woman cannot marry. I have two responses, and this is what's going to wrap up the Sugya. First of all, the Yavim Acher. It wouldn't say another man. If, if a widow would not be allowed to remarry anybody, the Torah wouldn't say another man. It would say, maybe you'll die and your brother will take her. But it says, Acher, somebody else, that's a Raya, that somebody else would be allowed to marry a widow. And furthermore, it says, See, if her second husband hates her and writes her a divorce, or if the second husband dies, oh, just like when a woman is has a get, she's completely allowed to remarry. So too, when it comes to death, it completely releases her and she's allowed to remarry. Bottom line is, we're learning out from this Pasuk, a widow is allowed to remarry. This is going to be the source. Upon the death of her husband, she receives her hand back in marriage. Let's just wrap up the sugya. Pull this all together. Our Mishnah said, a woman's kainas atzma, she receives her hand back in marriage. Beget uvamisa sabal, with a get and the death of the husband. How do I know? Get, I know because it says safer crisis. It's a complete cutoff. You divorce your wife, says the Torah, another man goes and marries her, it's a complete cutoff. What about by death? We learn it out from Penyomus Bamochama, the ish acher yikochena. That's going to be the source for, for death. And it's complete cutoff. I, maybe the Yibam? No. We're not dealing with the Yavam. We're dealing with a complete cutoff, the same as Gerishin. We'll hold it here for this evening. Veshem tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. We will pick up from the two dots on the bottom line of Yud Gimlam Bez. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, everybody.